Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I am your host, Xenia. I'm recording this intro on an evening in New York City. We've been spending most weekdays here and spending weekends at our cabin and renovating, tiling our bathroom, documenting it, sharing it on TikTok. It's really funny how on TikTok, things that you expect least to go viral end up going viral. Our videos of tiling our bathroom and stories associated with it, one of them got over half a million views and the other one is almost at 800,000 and it's completely blown up my account in the last couple of days. Insane. It's such a reminder that when we reconnect with our creative essence and for me, storytelling and content creation is something that brings me so much joy and gives me such a pathway for creative expression. It finds its audience and it finds its way into weaving into our path to expanding as souls, as humans, as entrepreneurs, because all of these things are connected. When we're feeling more self-expressed in one of these areas, it spills over into all others. With that, I've also been listening to the guidance that I've been receiving in terms of pivots in my business. As some of you know, in March, I put a pause on doing sponsored posts on Breakfast Criminals. And I started a couple of membership communities and now I'm being called to pivot them into other programs and courses that will serve you more effectively and will serve more people. I used to share things only for conscious entrepreneurs and healers, you know, share how can you combine smart social media strategy with intuition and your spiritual evolution if you're an entrepreneur, but I'm realizing that in this day and age, especially with quarantine, everyone is in front of their screens and everyone is craving and needs a more conscious approach to social media. And absolutely every human who is drawn to do so can benefit from having a more aligned presence and a more uplifting relationship with how you express yourself online. So those are some of the values that are behind the new workshops I'm recording and how I'm up-leveling my existing conscious social media program. There's so many announcements coming. I'm, I'm allowing the dates to drop on me. Some of these things will be launching in August 2020. Some of them will be launching in September. And I will sure be sharing about them on this podcast. If you want to know about them, head over to WokenWire.com and subscribe to my newsletter and follow me on Instagram. I am at Woken Wired and also at Where is Xenia? K-S-E-N-I-A. And I will be sharing all the announcements there. And I also want to say if you're someone who has felt stuck or has felt like you haven't had the space to take action on the messages you're receiving and things that you are supposed to be taking in your business for the next expansion and up level of who you're meant to be and how you're meant to impact people and express yourself and create the lifestyle you want to create for yourself. Trust it. Divine timing knows better and allow it to unfold and keep asking yourself, what if it was easy? Can I create the space for it to be easy? And can I trust that I'm doing as much I'm supposed to be doing and that I'm on exactly the right path and the timing is right? With that, my friends, I'm so excited to introduce you to Anissa Benitez, my new friend from TikTok, and hopefully will be way more than just a TikTok friend. Anissa is someone who recently quit her job at YouTube to propel her career as an actor, model, and public speaker. She runs the platform More by Her, which is a storytelling platform highlighting creative women shaping culture. 
She's also the host and producer of No Starving Artists, a podcast to support creatives in building health, wealth, and marketing wisdom. All the things that we talk about on this podcast. So I was super stoked to bring Anissa on this show. And some of the things we talk about are social media energy hygiene, cancel culture, using social media to serve others, going deeper with your existing audience instead of obsessing with growing viral following, creating social media boundaries, appetite for substance on TikTok, allowing intuition to inform your decisions, practical self-care tips, and why that's the foundation of well-being. Anissa has this quiet wisdom about her, and I really invite you to listen to this conversation in between the lines and really allow yourself to feel Anissa's presence and not only hear the words she's saying. If this episode and this show speaks to you and touches something in you, please share it on Instagram and tag at WokenWired so that I can see it and leave a rating and a review for the show if you haven't done so already. I really appreciate you and hope that this conversation fills your heart and gives you a glimpse into new possibilities in your own self-expression in the world. Here's Anissa Benitez. Anissa, I'm so excited to have you on Woken Wired. You're actually the very first guest who I met on TikTok. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, but also very satisfying. And yeah, Ksenia, I'm so happy that you found me. I think when I came across your content, I was just, yeah, just very put at peace because I love TikTok, but it doesn't necessarily have a ton of content that I think is conscious or particularly mindful. And so yours definitely stood out from yeah the bunch hugely. And so it's been cool to see your journey also tra- transitioning from New York City where I am right now to New York State. And yeah, I'm inspired thinking about it, thinking about it, probably resigning my lease in New York, but still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's how it all started. We just decided not to renew the lease and we didn't know what was next. And then it kind of just happened. But speaking of transitions, you're also going through a very interesting transition. And I just want to start out by reading your Instagram bio out loud so that you can give us a glimpse into who you are and what you do. And then we'll get into all things TikTok, transitions, and social media. So good. your Instagram is at Anissa Benitez. If you guys want to follow along, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And your bio says, Anissa Creative Wellness, Uplift Artists, Self-Care. There's a plant, cloud, and meditation emoji. <laughs> Founder of More By Her, podcast, No Starving Artist, ex-marketer, Google and YouTube actor and model. So what is it that you actually do, Anissa? Yeah, I know from the Instagram bio, it's like still very mysterious, perhaps. But yeah, recently I transitioned, I was working in marketing. And I've worked at a lot of big companies like Google and YouTube and Time and Fortune magazine and Sony Music Entertainment have been in the marketing space for about seven years, my career, maybe a little more because of undergrad and such. But yeah, I've always been an artist and have been, you know, suppressing that for some time, you know, not devoting full time to it, but always performing, whether that was dance, acting, modeling, or anything else I can kind of delve into while working full time. I've been doing that and doing the juggling act of that for for a long time up until February. February, I left my job as a brand marketing manager at YouTube Music and realized yeah, it was just the point at which I needed to full-time dedicate myself towards my creative entrepreneurial passions and also my personal desire to perform. So that's been my transition. And it was just just funny timing. And it's the story for everyone with the pandemic. February, I left my job and got signed by model talent agencies. Was like, all right, I'm really doing this. Like booked some gigs, like was really starting. And and then everything shut down production-wise and had a big moment of clarity because I was going to start sharing my creative journey with people through the podcast I launched, No Starving Artist, to bring people along so that they could you know, help unleash their artist, inner artist. And, but yeah, what, what pivoted was just 
people were out of work at that point. And I knew that a lot of people hadn't been in mental space to prepare themselves financially in the way that I had created a cushion, et cetera, to leave jobs and have financial freedom. A lot of people didn't feel powerful, um, didn't feel like their talents could be used in a diverse way, didn't feel like they had a, a lot of awareness around the business side of existing. And, you know, when you're really relying on one stream of income, when that stream of income really cuts off, you can feel cut off so much as a person based on your ego, based on your sense of identity, obviously monetarily. And so I was like, okay, and he's like, time to put on the marketer hat again and like really support people, use your business stuff and share it with others. Because even though you wanted to personally retire from this identity, like gross marketer, brand marketer, it was just like constantly like nudging myself away from like the business world. And, and then it just, in the last few months, it's been like, okay, serve others give this knowledge and make it easier and more accessible to others. And I'd already been doing that through more by her, which I also include in my bio. And that's just just storytelling platform to highlight creative women who are shaping culture. And each week, a new story is shared of a woman who's thriving and amazing and maybe doesn't get the visibility that she deserves. And so it's just an additional platform to provide her story and share that support and love their way, but also inspire another generation, another group of people to see that that's a possibility for themselves more by her I just have to say yeah. it's so beautiful and you just are such a visionary in how you are able to package stories and share valuable information in both a way that is practical how I found your TikTok is that the TikTok algorithm served me I think one of your videos about social media hygiene which is something I love talking about as well on this podcast yeah. so you combine very practical information with a very beautiful, visionary, and aspirational digital storytelling. And I think that's those two together are just so powerful and necessary right now. I'm so glad that you feel that way. And that, you know, obviously, it's kind of like a person affirming a person who like, <laughs> is both on the same page about a thing. Because <laughs> that's how I feel about yours. I'm like, this is useful. It's aspirational. And it's super uplifting and needed right now and all these things. But yeah, I'm always like battling with the other side of things, right? When you have like such an awareness as to how you could grow to get maybe more followers, be more viral, but you don't want to use those tools because they're not in alignment with like <laughs> who you're moving towards becoming. It's just kind of like getting okay with that being the case and such. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. I totally know what you're talking about. You know, sometimes I follow other people's teachings about growth and really, you know, hacking growth and the algorithms. And to a certain point, I learn and I'm inspired to be in action. And then it comes to a point where it just goes completely against my values and my integrity as a human. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's my ego. I don't know. Maybe it's the actual integrity. You just never know. Sometimes uh, totally. looking back, you're shocked by your own decisions. But as of now, I don't think it aligns with who I am. And I just yeah. really stand for the fact that I think you can be fully in integrity and alignment with who you are and how you want to show up without stepping on those values and still grow. You know, like yesterday I posted this video on TikTok about our tiling progress in the bathroom. And it's oh, not even that. like, <laughs> you see, like it's not, like, even, I can't wait to see the end result. <laughs> it's so funny. It's not even before and after. Like you would think if you would follow the rules, you should post something that's before and after. That's what people love seeing. But this yeah, was totally. just a progress video. It's just like, you know what? I don't <laughs> think anyone will care about this, but I'll just post this progress video of us telling the bathroom. And it has almost 200,000 views. I don't know how. Oh my gosh. I don't I mean, know why. It's oddly satisfying, to <laughs> be honest. It's really oddly satisfying. And the anticipation factor. There's like a lot of things that people don't account for. If you're seeking to do marketing in a templatized way, one, it's not fun for you. And two, um, you'll never, you won't learn. You know what I mean? Like you won't learn. And now you have an opportunity to learn. Like anticipation is so powerful. People love anticipation. It's mm -hmm. like so satisfying to be left on the edge of your seat cliffhanger moments. And that applies to movies. People love thrillers. People love the genre for for that reason. So it's just like, you're always going to invite in a different appetite depending on what you play with. And that's why TikTok is a fun app. And that's why Instagram is becoming increasingly a more boring app. <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with you. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. There's so many videos I've posted where I felt like I followed templates of what should work. 
where I've even answered my community's questions. And I thought, you know, since people are asking this so much, this should do so well. Like someone, people kept asking me, how do you live in a forest and make money? So I made a video about five streams of income that I've created for my business to be able to work from anywhere. And it did, you know, okay, in TikTok, you never know, it might pick up later and go viral. But mm -hmm. so far it's done less well than most of my videos. And so sometimes you just don't understand and then you post something super random and it just blows up. And it's just this reminder to just keep creating what brings us joy and what lights us up and mm -hmm. trust that whatever is meant to be seen will be seen by those who are meant to see it. Yeah, exactly. Like you reach the people who need you. And I think that's the difference between like the work that you're doing and then just being like an influencer, right? So if you have intention behind yours to serve people in a positive way to help inspire them to live them their lives and to free them ultimately, right? And then then people who come across your page will derive value versus yeah, you can just be aiming for just attention for attention's sake and then that that's a little more difficult to suss out. Right. So with TikTok, I scrolled all the way down to when you started your account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh, it, looks, gosh. it looks like you were like me. You kind of dabbled into it last year and were like, I don't know about this. And then once quarantine hit, you really invested energy and thought into it. So, you know, mm -hmm. my question to you is when you quit your job in February, you thought you were creating space for this one thing, but then life had other plans. So what did that space end up guiding you to do and explore and create instead yeah totally well the thing is like when I left my job I was actually not clear on the acting thing really my whole life had been me working my way around it like doing musical theater and doing improv comedy and just doing things that were around and I hadn't fully tried on that hat so it was during quarantine that I got really clear on acting because before that I was like oh maybe I'll do hosting maybe I'll do this like I'm open to like seeing I it's just like a time where I need to shut down my brain and like allow experiences and intuition to inform more of my decisions and so when I had TikTok yeah on I was creating videos because it was a fun app and um very yeah I was like maybe I posted like once every two weeks or something like that in the beginning and then quarantine hit and I wanted to support people and I wanted to be more educational and so I think that's what got clear for me is like I want to make use of this app because it's an opportunity and I know that I'm always like I have a good vision into things and I'm usually projecting it upon other people so I definitely made like multiple posts on Instagram I was like hey everybody like if you have a business if like you care about like growing on a social media platform like TikTok is really hot right now it's like really underutilized opportunity to like share your message and share what you're about and like bring in a new wave of audience and and then like nobody really <laughs> was engaging and I was like okay and you saw all these moments where you're just projecting other people it's like moments where you should just take it in take your own advice go on TikTok what message do you want to share with the world how could you use it and give value and I was like that's how I got more serious in the cadence of sharing because I also started with a lot more playfulness of like I'll just do a dance video and then I'll like do a little like lecture from my YouTube channel or, or something like that that I had just started to and then people are actually really responding to the content from YouTube that was just like kind of boring and like just pulled over and me lecturing about like you know consciousness or mindful habits or morning routines or something along those lines and I was like oh people actually like these videos just as much as the dance ones like they actually do have an appetite for some substance and then I just kept figuring out that like more and more it fit into this overarching umbrella of self-care and empowerment and it's still really broad creative wellness is a funny term that I like to use because I care about people sustaining creative practices in their life for healing and for well-being for wellness and I also like to empower artists I'm I'm obsessed with uh admiring people from afar <laughs> like there's so many artists I love and actually having worked with a good amount of like celebrities and artists like I I like admiring people from afar like once I meet people it's just not super it's generally disappointing <laughs> so it's really nice to like appreciate people's work and really amplify that and such because we're all just human beings in the end, you know, so it's just that it's not like hugely disappointing. It's just like, oh, just a human. <laughs> but yeah, it's just my TikTok has become more increasingly me personally recognizing now wanting to be an actor. So not even having as much fun 
playing myself. And so I do a lot of lip syncing videos of anything that I can still tell a story around empowerment or self-care or wellness around. And then I'll share share some tips on, yeah, consciousness, ego, financial wellness, etc. So what are you seeing as a result of consistently showing up on TikTok and getting playful with different types of content? Are you seeing a spillover on your other platforms? Are you seeing new business income streams opening up? What are some of the impacts? Yeah, so it's been subtle. And that's like one of the things I'm like, ah, TikTok, huh. Now I'm having like kind of like that like sit back moment. It's like, okay, got a substantial enough amount of growth at 20K where you can be like, is this translating over as well as we'd like it to be? And then I always go around and do market research and study other accounts and see what that conversion rate is, especially accounts that are similar to mine. And it's surprisingly really low, the conversion rate of TikTok to Instagram, because there'll be but so many people with like millions of followers and then like they have 10K Instagram and, you know. Oh yeah, I've, I've noticed that too, for sure. And like, this is wild. And I was like, but then again, if I'm following this person, let's say, would I be curious to delve into their lives more deeply or am I just satisfied with TikTok? Is this enough? You know, and there's some accounts I think that the correlation is a lot clearer to me where I'm like, yeah, I think I'm pretty good on just following them on TikTok. I wouldn't be curious enough to go down the rabbit hole. And then there's other accounts where it's like, I would be curious and I just I just don't see that conversion as well as I'd like to. So I say that to say I've been experiencing the similar thing where it's like I definitely get a few new followers every single day from TikTok for sure onto Instagram. And that's where there's the biggest wave of overflow and a few, maybe a few new podcast listeners, handful here, there. It's just really light. I don't think it's a really strong funnel for some of the content that I have, but I enjoy it despite. And I think I'm curious to see how that changes, especially as the continued shifts of demographics on TikTok, because I think as the more people who start to acquire it into their social media, like routine diet. Unless it gets banned in the US. Yes, unless it gets banned, which I'm also open to anticipating. That's why I just like recently did multiple videos. I was like, just in case I'm on Instagram, <laughs> remember I'm on mm. Instagram. Because I could see that happening, um, unfortunately. Right. And I think we'll just see. Yeah, we'll see. How we'll about see. you? You know, I've also, I've tested out linking different Instagram accounts to my TikTok to see mm-hmm. if that changes the amount of conversion in terms of people spilling over to Instagram from, tem- from Instagram to TikTok. And I think it makes a big difference. You know, I've had it linked to my personal account, whereas Ksenia, when I've had spurts of videos going viral, I've had hundreds of new people follow me. But then mm-hmm. when it's normal growth, you know, a few hundred people a day, not so much, just a little bit. Uh, and then recently I linked it to my Breakfast Criminals Instagram And I'm seeing a slow but continuous flow of new people. So Mm -hmm. I think it's like you said, it really just depends on what your top, you know, most recent posts are on Instagram, Mm -hmm. how they correlate with your TikTok. Yeah. And also how many times have we seen videos on TikTok and we watched them over and over again and found them hilarious and entertaining, but then there's no desire in us to follow that person on Instagram because it's just not the same category of interest Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah, it's like a category of interest for sure. And then I think also quality of content, some of the video content, that's what makes TikTok such an exciting app is that it's so accessible. So many people can just grab their phones and upload. So the, so the downside of that is that the quality sometimes is like not great. So even if you really enjoy a video, you're like, does this meet the standards of my <laughs> Instagram, which is like a notch higher for the most people. And sometimes it just you're just like, I like this video a lot, but I don't want to share it because it's like, it's going to ruin my grid. It's like too messy for my, <laughs> it's just like, it's like too off brand, you know? And I like, as much as people don't want to pretend that they're curators, they're totally curators of um, social media. So for someone who's listening and who keeps hearing me or maybe you or both of us telling them to get on TikTok and they haven't yet gotten on TikTok, what would you recommend in terms of getting started and identifying kind of what niche you fall into and getting playful with types of videos you post? Yeah, I think it always comes down to like, what's your angle and what's your mission? Because like, I think I personally have fun on TikTok and I get to share my mission, which is empowering people to take care of themselves mainly. And then I, you know, draw in seedlings into like financial wellness and all these other things. I think if I was just doing it for fun's sake, it wouldn't necessarily be something that I sustain. That's how I feel about everything on social media. I'm not like a person who enjoys spending a lot of time on social media, period. 
I actually try to minimize. I have like really hard boundaries with myself around social media in general. Let's talk about that. What are your boundaries? Well, no, like in the, like I, I usually tell myself like no social media an hour before waking up or an hour after waking up and then like an hour before bed. But once I do that, it turns into like, I don't touch social media until like 11 or 12 in the afternoon when I wake up at six or I put it away by eight o'clock sometimes. I don't get any notifications and such. So throughout the day, I'll have certain times when I like pop in because I need to post and that's when it'll start to like plant the addictive seed into like, oh, I wonder if anybody's written me and blah, blah, blah. And if I have downtime, then I'll like end up checking it for a good amount throughout the day. But I try to, yeah, remove that kind of temptation by having other things like having morning routines and things that I need to do that aren't me deriving validation externally and are truly like just internal validation things and having that time is yeah super precious to me and a habit that I maintain. And one of the videos that I've noticed has done really well on your TikTok is about social media hygiene where you share how you personally choose to follow and who to not follow. And I think it's a conversation that is so important to be had because so many of us follow accounts just because we've been following them for a while or because we work with those people or we used to be friends with them. Mm -hmm. And it's such an important reminder that a mental space or energetic space is ours and we can curate it and we have the power to do so. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about some of those guidelines that you use to create those boundaries that are more energetic. Now, I'm so happy that video found its way to you and that it resonated. It's funny because it's always like my I think it's like no videos definitely stand out because all my other videos are like super yes, yes, yes. Uh, welcome to energy. And, you know, and that one's just like cut people off. <laughs> well, not cut people off. It's just like have an understanding of like if somebody had doing general social media hygiene because our social media accounts maybe serve different purposes in our life depending on who you are and what you're doing. But being conscious of what you consume on all fronts, whether that's as a human being and what you put into your body if you're eating or being mindful of the music that you're listening to and what lyrics it actually contains and subliminal messages that you're holding on to. And that goes for, yeah, social media, what messages you're absorbing, whose energies you're absorbing, etc. My social media isn't necessarily one that I go to. I'm just going to refer to Instagram in particular. It's not one that I go to to like connect with my friends. It's really a little bit more of like a mood board and place for inspiration. A lot of my friends aren't even on social media, which is helpful. And I really do enjoy catching up with them and actually hearing how things went because a photo won't necessarily even give me an accurate assessment of things most of the time. And it'll give me like a false perception of what's going on in their reality too. So as far as social media hygiene for myself, I try to follow people that I admire and that changes a lot because depending on where my headspace is and what I have my ambitions towards, it shifts. So like an example of that, it was, I followed so many people in maybe more of like the wellness space historically. And lately I've been more focused on following directors and people that who are creating work that's artful, that's deeply empowering and inspiring and I think can shape and shift the world. And so I want to see into the minds or try, you know, try to catch that glimpse into profound storytellers and such. But I can't follow so many people because then I don't get to see those people's content that I'm really appetite, you know what I mean? Like I have such an Mm -hmm. appetite for at the moment. So it comes at me looking through my social media often, who am I following? And I'm like, oh, this classmates from high school who I've not been in touch with with, for a decade. I can release. And, you know, a lot of those people who knew me be before the age of like 20 they're on Facebook and they can follow me there or if we don't stay in touch it's not the end of the world because it's I've just gotten to a point in life where I've just collected so many people and experiences where I can't hold on to all of it and I think all the the beauty of life is that like when you're meant to reconnect with those people they actually come into your life sometimes and more often than not it's not just through social media it's like in person or a friend will say something or, you know, it'll kind of like stir in that way. And so I don't think the door is closed. I think there's a level of like fear around the permanence of like, I'm following something, somebody and you can always just 
find them again and follow them if they come to mind for you. <laughs> and I think it's different to do social media hygiene versus like cancel culture where it's like, I didn't like what somebody said. Now I'm just like, I'm done with them. Social media hygiene comes up usually when you are trying to make space for things that more aligned with your vision and who you feel safe around and what you want to reflect out into the world. And yeah, it's at a personal core because the difference I find for myself is that I go onto social media and I get to see the content that inspires me. I really get to engage with things that I think are leading me to reach a higher self or be more of my best self more of the time. And my social media experience is more satisfying. I don't feel FOMO. <laughs> I don't feel as much like, yeah, I, I feel more inspired when I go to the, so it just creates more of a positive relationship for me and social media in general. What you're pointing to is that something that I speak a lot about in all the conscious social media method programs that I teach. And it's this idea that our subconscious is highly perceptive to what we see in our feeds. And whether we realize it or not, what we see in our feeds becomes the norm that we end up striving for and creating our future based on. So you're yeah. right, you know, if you are on a mission to dive more into creative more world and film world, of course, it makes a lot more sense for you to follow directors who are very successful and think differently and think bigger because I find that when I get stuck in a rut of just following the same wellness people I've been following for years I just even unconsciously start creating content that's similar to those people that I'm seeing in my feed and sometimes I even remember there was a period where everyone was like you know what professional photography doesn't matter iPhone photography is where it's at Instagram even said that phone photos were doing a lot better than anything professional. And there was this big movement of just like getting super casual with the quality of your content. And I did it. I started, you know, I put down my camera. I started only posting photos taken with my phone. And mm -hmm. then I went all the other way. I was like, you know what? No, I want everything to be super top-notch and professional. And now I'm sort of rebuilding a much more refined digital story. And but it's so interesting to notice how who I'm following impacts my norm. Yeah. How have you, sh like, was that a shift externally? Like you saw film photography or photographs that were taken not on iPhones or not on phones in general starting to come back and then you moved into it? Or was it just an internal thing of like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> I just want to do what I, what suits me aesthetically. It was a few things. It was seeing people who were doing high end thought through creative photography, no matter what the trends were, that mm. got me thinking in the first place. And then I just started thinking, you know, if I'm working with, whether that's for my, I'm writing something for my own blog, for myself, for my community, or I'm partnering with brands, whatever I create that has higher production value, more thought put into it, it just has a much more long-term value and longevity than something shot on my phone. And yet, listen, I understand there's value in just getting something out that's valuable, that's in the moment, that feels alive. But I think there's certain beauty and power to creating something a lot more long-term that can be repurposed, that can be referenced. And that's kind of what my thinking has been. And also, I'm thinking a lot about how much noise there is on social media and how I'd rather post once a week, but something that really represents my vision and where I'm going as a human and as a business rather than every day, but kind of scramble for photos and mm -hmm. not have them represent me and my inner world right now. Totally. Yeah, I'm with you there. And that's why it's kind of funny that we talk about TikTok because more often than not, it's like the opposite, you know, it's hard to reshare some of that content. I'm like, eh, I don't know about it. <laughs> So it's like, I'm always battling that. And I'm like, but I do want to access this audience, but I do recognize maybe it's just pushing up the quality of the content, you know, and really doing things that are, that are, yeah, feel more representative of everything and direction I'm moving in, even if that's underperforming and just being okay with that for the long term. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Constant battle. <laughs> I think it's such a personal decision and it has to feel right. And honestly, I think there's no right way to do business or marketing and social media strategy. And one of my own missions is to share with people tools and strategies that I've tested that I've seen work with me and my clients, but then let them find something that works for them and feels aligned for them. Because like literally anyone who tells you that this is the one way to grow your business, to get followers, to make money, I don't think that's uh, fully true. Yeah, I'm with you. And I love that you share that with your clients around 
make it your own at the end of the day. It's like, here are the tools. These are the facts. This is what's performing. But like at the end of the day, you have to do something you're going to be, be able to do sustainably. Right. And that's what I always kind of come down to with anything I create where even if it's not the most high performing thing, can I sustain it? Is it something I feel proud of? Then that's good. Right. Yeah. So what I would love to hear is how did you get into social media in the first place? Do you remember your first social media network? Yeah. Well, I guess it was MySpace was my first when I was in end of middle school, early high school. So I was like, you know, 13 years old. Did you have a song on there? <laughs> yeah, I did. I definitely did. I, I think I had a Bob Marley song, but I'm not. Yeah, I had a Bob Marley song. It was kind of like a hippie one that had like dinosaurs and I was pretty into it, doing a lot of the... <laughs> the coding to like, you know, to get your background updated and such. Yeah. So I, I guess that was an interesting time to have social media introduced, but it not be a huge part of life, right? Like young enough to know that life before it, you know, and so I think it's different than a lot of the TikTok generation of kids. Well, I know it's significant. I know it's significantly different because I like didn't even have a phone until shortly before then. And then, yeah, Facebook came into play and in high school and then by college I was a little late on Instagram honestly I think relative to my friends and so I got that towards the end of college and now it's funny to have my Instagram and like look back on all of those photos from the beginning of college because you know I, I posted very sporadically and my captions would just be like one emoji and <laughs> like I, I was you know I was like not in it <laughs> I wasn't doing it for marketing purposes, clearly, or for any attention, clearly. So at what point did you realize that it can be done for marketing and you could actually make money from it? Well, that's something I just didn't care to do until maybe recently. I don't even know if I'm still locked into that. Um, I am. I go in and out. I just like constantly battle with it because, it, you know, social media is like, like I mentioned, it's a thing that I'm very conscious of, right? And so... Yeah, I'm always just going through like my inner turmoil around it because, you know, just you can use good things for bad and you can use bad things for good. Who knows? Neutral space. But uh, I think one of the times it started to shift was when I cared to help people. So before that, it was about updating people on my life, right? And giving glimpses into my world and, oh, I'm traveling or I'm with friends eating this meal, food pics, you know what have you. And then about two years ago, I started to come out of my, yeah, just kind of like had started to like release myself again and wanted to help people also free themselves. So I think it's just kind of like this gradual buildup of consciousness and also creative energy to want to support others. And that's when I started posting way more around my personal experiences, longer captions, storytelling, and really bringing the inside out for others and feeling personally in a you know, way more sense of self to be able to manage people pouring into me too, right? Because it's not, I'm a pretty empathetic person. And so it's never like a one-sided thing. And so I had to be, I think I always knew that if I was going to share stories or be vulnerable with people, then that means that more people gravitate towards me and want to share with me their stories. And it's like, do I want to engage in that dialogue at all? And that's why I'm always constantly kind of on this teetering line with social medias, because I can't really be as insensitive as, as <laughs> I, in my mind, would on some days like to be, right? And so. So yeah, so since then, for the last two years, I've just been trying to share information that helps people have at least a seedling of something that reminds them to take care of themselves, prioritize their well-being, and um, yeah, and gain some more peace of mind. I think that's what we can all use. Where does this burning, unstoppable desire to inspire people to take care of themselves come from? What part of your own story taught you to do that for yourself yeah I think it's just um it's a culmination of like so many things and I definitely have a personality type that's like very achiever and very yeah just very into work but also super into play my dad was a big kind of like workaholic type and just immigrant you know traditional stuff and where's your father from 
my father's from Cuba and then my mom's Puerto Rican, but first generation American. And so she's, and just her as a person and stuff, she's just like way more fun than play. And she's the artist who just enjoys life. And so having both of those people kind of raise me, I always saw the benefits of both, but definitely lean a little bit more serious. And so I always had like really, you know, high bars of expectation for myself, but always took care of my, you know, and I think it just becomes more pronounced because in the spaces where I work, people, you know, just continually the pattern that I see with human beings in general is just like them not taking care of themselves, not being really great at taking care of themselves first. So just kind of observing that externally from a lot of people in my life, I have a appetite for discomfort um, personality wise and lean into drama, right? But like, in real life, not just in like theatrical work, et cetera. And so, yeah, I've always just been super into self-improvement. And I think there's just been so many accumulation of like so many moments in my life that have just like opened my consciousness as to recognizing the importance of our overall well-being and health and wealth. But a, a real big turning point, the two years ago thing was when my ex had a stroke and I became his primary caregiver. And so I was taking care of him while working at Google. And yeah, he just like lost all his ability, you know, like read, write, short term memory and everything and rehabilitating him on my own was really tiring and taxing. And so that brought me to some lows. But I I can't say it's like a story, but I was drained of all I had or anything, you know, because I've already been in such a routine of being like, as intensely as I work, I also intensely take care of myself. And so it just was a huge reminder to me of the importance of our well being and gave me opportunity to meditate on death in a really powerful way in a way that I hadn't made it so clear that you know everybody's dying and I think death became one of my big motivating forces to live in the way that I want to and so I always just come back to thinking about you know living because of the lack of guarantee around tomorrow and such and not creating like false urgency in that way but just you know wanting to serve people now versus in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be a Anissa at 50-something, 60-something kind of thing where she's really philanthropic or really generous with the world and generous with her time and really supportive of people, et cetera. And now I'm just moving into that at a much younger age. So yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing. Wow. So I can't even imagine being a primary caregiver to a partner and working full-time and imagining your own self-care it must be a whole other level of learning to juggle all those things. Yeah, no, it was a really good test. And like, I have to admit that I had opportunities where, well, first he was like intensive care for a while. And then in, he was inpatient in the hospital. And so he's being, he had like a lot of therapists with him and his family actually came out and rotated in the beginning. And then I took him on full time. Then for a few, a good amount of that, I was working from home. So I was able to be with him full time. And then he started to get some of his, abilities back slowly you know and so he was able to do a little bit more independently and just like the burden it's it's nothing like having somebody who's permanently without certain abilities because he's gradually improving over time but yeah it was a test in some ways I had a job though that allowed me to be able to work from home so it's just like in all these moments I'm always just like so aware of my privilege too yes it was a difficult situation but I also had ability to still make income and take care of him. And it taught me just so much. I had so much to be grateful for. I had a wonderful group of friends in San Francisco, personally, who were emotional support for me. And yeah, and even having phone calls with friends and such, it just makes it so clear to me that like, you know, when I have a stroke, or whatever happens to me in the future, like, it's, it always comes down to those like people who are the rocks in your life. And the love and support in your life and like those super simple things. And so that experience, one of the hardest things was thereafter to realize like how insignificant 90% of things are, you know, like just a lot of things kind of start to fall to the wayside. Yeah. And when you were speaking about meditating on death as this motivator to tap more into your aliveness, I would say I had a psychedelic experience not so long ago where I saw and experienced the other side and then coming back into my body, what I came back with was this realization that, whoa, this body is not a chore. It's actually a gift that yep. this vessel that allows us to experience the fullness of life. And mm -hmm. that was one of my main motivators to make pivots in my own life, in my own business, 
And March 1st, I, you know, pivoted my Breakfast Criminals channels and I started TikTok soon after and it just created all this space for me to just be more playful and put more at stake because like you said, there's no guarantee for tomorrow. So for anyone listening who, you know, still is aware of any limiting beliefs or inner judge holding you back from truly showing up and sharing what you most care about in the world, know that this is your reminder. Now is the time. And the more ourselves and the more yourself you are, the more fulfilled we're going to feel and the more impact we're going to make as well. Yeah, totally. And it's so hard because it's like, I don't want death and like suffering to be the, you know, the reason a lot of people get to realizations around their self. But yeah, similar, like you had a psychedelic experience. I think mindfulness is a really powerful way to get in touch with your inner voice, because I think a lot of people just generally feel they've lost that there's so much noise, right? And so it's hard to tune it down and get to a place where you actually feel you have one. (laughs) So when you don't have somebody that's like burning and trying to break through, then I imagine it's so much harder. I think like my whole life, I've always just been trying to like suppress that voice because it's been shouting at me to like, no, you love dance, you love acting, you love blah, 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 like fuck those person's opinions, like a very dramatic inner voice. (laughs) And so to actually allow it to just lead more of my life has been a powerful and refreshing thing. But I think it's really just person by person. Everybody has such different inner demons or struggles and battles that they're trying to just work through to break through to get to a place of acceptance. But yeah, I really wish for everyone to get there. I really, yeah, I'm, I'm here to support a lot of people in that process. So that's been fun. Speaking of that process, you know, we talk about self-care and mindfulness. Let's get practical here. What are some mm-hmm. things? Because I think so many of us, we hear it. We know we should be doing it. We know it helps us be more intuitive and aligned. But what are some of the practical things that you find help you and you also have noticed your community receive? Yeah, I love this. And I think a practical thing is just routine, (laughs) right? Because I think I made a video around like self-care is really bespoke to the individual and what qualities they want to amplify and embolden themselves. So I can tell you that self-care for me is always working to embolden mindfulness. But if somebody's not truly dedicated to emboldening mindfulness, in themselves and I can tell them to meditate every day. I can tell them to do breath work every day and they're not going to do it until they actually care about emboldening those qualities within themselves and are committed to it. So it's hard because I'm such like a hard ass also on, I really want people to be disciplined. And like, I think self-care should be approached with discipline and because you're a priority and you're worthy of being taken care of. And so if you can actually have an understanding and grasp that, then I understand that you'll commit to doing self-care practices that better serve you. I highly, I love meditation. I think it's really powerful. I don't think that's the only way through. I think if you can become a person who's just mindful of your breath, then you're ahead of like worlds of people who will never become aware of the power that we hold in being able to notice if our breath is going in or if it's going out and how it feels in our body. Elongating your breath and the power that does to shift your energy and slow down your rate of, you know, I mean, a rate of being, um, anything that you can do to move closer towards being in the present moment, I think is incredibly powerful. Because a lot of, you know, anxiety is related to focus on the future being so in your mind, or um, depression looming so much in the past, and so getting into the present moment, sometimes it's not meditation breathwork traditional stuff for me it's dance dance is one of my favorite go-tos i love to dance and put on good music and just really get into my body because i truly believe that we're not meant to be you know servants to the mind bodies bodies first and we're supposed to really serve it with the mind and let the body be the master and so the more that you can connect back to your intuition by getting into your body whether it's dance for yoga running there's so many physical activities that you can do where you can disengage with your mind and those moments are really powerful because the thinking brain is still so recent and the evolution of beings and your consciousness can hold you back more than it can help you a lot of the time. And so just getting back to your actual physical body and having a sense of your intuitive responses to things is so powerful. The more you can have that, easier it is to make decisions on things and to 
trust when your gut has responses to things that that was a truth <laughs> and and all of these things and so yeah when it comes to somebody learning how to take care of themselves I think like putting face in the mirror and really trying to understand why or why not you think you're worthy of living why you think you're worthy of that you're enough you know it's just like kind of getting to the point where people ask themselves more of those questions because I think until you truly believe that you're deserving of being taken care of, you're not going to care for yourself in the way that you deserve to be, you know? So I think that's what's always the challenge with all the self-care things. The market has moved so much in the, into a space of being so commercialized because it's trying to fill void, right? If you're so into like beauty masks and this and that and products and, and such, then you're still trying to escape from the existence of being you or just being you in the present, being you in the mundane and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I would love for people to just get to a place of appreciation of themselves and try to think of moments that they're grateful for, that they're proud of themselves for, people in their lives that they love, like things, you know, just like accumulating more positive experiences, writing it down. I express a lot of emphasis on journaling because I think similar to the inner, inner voice conversation, it's hard to know what you're actually saying to yourself unless you really start writing it down, even grabbing a phone. And recording the thoughts that are running through your head and understanding what those sound like can be helpful to so many people. And I think people don't realize the negative dialogues that they tell themselves on repeat, negative thought patterns and self-talk. And so I feel like I'm becoming increasingly, increasingly removed from all of that. And so I always have to kind of get down to the ground floor and be like, okay, what would be helpful for people? Like what might be people experiencing? Because there's also this whole wellness space that's just like, I live in light and love and like everything is love and beauty. And like, I don't want to be that person <laughs> at all because I know one, it's just like, that's not me and my highest self either. And I really like working in the dark and the light. And I think that it's important even if you get to a place where you're like, I'm super happy and positive, you can also have things that you're dissatisfied with and be okay with that, embracing that, but not let it be like a driving force in your life and kind of enjoying the human condition is kind of a place that I, I think it's fun for everyone to get to. Enlightenment and not being like removal of negativity completely, but at least the extraction of some of it and emphasis placed on your attention towards the positive. That was the episode highlight right there. I love what you said about not using face masks to escape the existence of being you because ultimately no social media hygiene or smart TikTok strategy is going to leave you feeling good about yourself going to bed at the end of the day if we don't create those quiet moments of acknowledging what's in our minds, what's in our hearts and just quietly breathing and acknowledging whatever is there. And I love that you brought it all back to that because ultimately it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all the things we can do for our mindfulness, you know, the next app to download, the next person to follow on YouTube or whatnot. But ultimately it's in the breath. It's in the being with what is in it. It's in the asking that question that Anissa, you said, what can actually help me right now? I love that so much. Now hearing you back, I'm like, oh, that's what I said. <laughs> good. It was good. That's good. Now in the digital age, that's more important than ever. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's just getting noisier and noisier, but this pandemic has been a moment of pause too. And I think it's brought a lot of people far more introspection and it's built a lot of empathy, especially it's a big seedling in the power of the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's just nice to see that people are connecting back to their hearts more. So I think it's, you know, it's the beginning of it. I don't know if you sense a wave of gravitation towards your content for that reason right now, but I would assume people are in, in need. I'm curious, what has your experience been with the Black Lives Matter movement and how you've seen that impact the space you're in and your work and how you show up? Yeah, it's just, it's kind of, um, I think it's like brought up more, yeah, it's been interesting because like I've been an awake person. Yeah, just like I mentioned into consciousness stuff since a, a very young age. And so even in high school was involved in social activism for people of color, marginalized communities, just never understood the level of injustice that exists in our country or in the United States. I don't even need to clean this stone from <laughs> this land or anything. But yeah, it's just been painful for so long. And I know it's generationally been an improvement over time. It's improved, but it's still a mess. And it's good to see people 
coming out to acknowledge racism and such, but sustained dedication to activism is the only thing I care about. It's not the only thing I care about. I I do appreciate the wave of um, people dedicated to supporting Black Lives Matter and moving things forward. But I also think sustained dedication towards equality means that you do a lot of deconditioning yourself, one, and two, you are sustainably engaged in everything that you do and create and produce and the way that you see the world trying to make it move towards equality requires you maybe taking a loss at times in the effort of creating the vision that you want to see in the world. And so I would love to see that continue to be a theme that's, you know, just that we continue to see, it becomes a new normal. And so it's kind of like, a it's great. It's trend, buzz, movement, marches, you know, maybe it'll be reflected, reflected politically through voting, et cetera, which is great. And then when it comes to power dynamics, it's interesting just like working in the business world because it's so hard for so many people to give up their power. And I'm not super optimistic around relinquish of full power from a lot of folks. And so I'm just curious to see how people will be creating new community and how government will create more regulation and just a whole culmination of things and how that can come together. But at least as a first step, like acknowledging the recency of slavery and the active oppression of people of color, marginalized community, continuously through media, through laws, through actions over the course of history. At least that acknowledgement has been a little bit more acknowledged in a holistic way. And yeah, we'll see. I like, I think for a lot of people of color, like people from marginalized communities, you know, in general, just kind of like, we'll see. Not fully trusting of it is fair, right? Because I know, yeah, it just applies to so many groups. It's just kind of like skepticism is a natural first reaction. I'm glad that it seems like there's the beginning of, of a deeper impact. Staying dedication to equality. I love how you zoomed out and gave that, you know, like a bigger umbrella because ultimately I think that's the way to move forward because Black Lives Matter is just one part of, one huge and very important part, but there's so many other facets of marginalization happening on societal levels and economic levels, you know, based on skin color, just so many different kinds. So holding that vision for dedication to equality that is actually long-term, kind of what we talked about in terms of, you know, funny to make that parallel, but in terms of content, thinking about longevity, not just something that following that's trending and following a template, but mm-hmm. creating a lo- longevity around positive change. Yes, I love how you tied it back around to content. Yes, it's like, because it's one and the same. It's like what we can create in the world and with social media and the whole world of social media, it's accessible. It's something we can create. We can't necessarily create laws, you know, in our bedrooms, but you can definitely create a video and share it to TikTok or Instagram or photo or something that says something and tries to move people. Yeah, there's that same intentionality behind it, so... We, yeah, we're all powerful creators and artists. And I try to, No Starving Artist is a funny title because I think it deters so many people. They're like, I'm not an artist. I'm not creative. I know the most creative people who like still in denial that they're artists. But I try to get everybody over to the side of realizing that they are powerful creators and artists and can, yeah, make changes in the world. I love that so much. So as we wrap up, I have one more question to you, Anissa, that I feel like a lot of people listening might have in the back of their minds or maybe in the front. It's the fact that you worked for some of the top brands in the world, including Google, YouTube. And, you know, for some people, it's like this thing they look up to or a dream. And you have been in that world and you chose to be an entrepreneur and create your own business. So what is something perhaps that you learned from working for some of the top brands and doing social media and marketing for them? Um, and then deciding to go on your own. Yeah. So, you know, it's like so much gratitude to work at the company names and bust the resume in the way that I did. And that was definitely a conscious effort too. And um, I think you can get to certain positions and have certain opportunities and then your true person is always going to be there. And my true person is always a person who's not much of a conformist. And my true person is a person who feels a lot of sense of urgency and loves taking ownership and the bigger the company that you work for the 
smaller pieces in that puzzle. And I, yeah, I think it's like a combination of factors that really led me to kind of recognize that I won't be returning to corporate <laughs> ever. <laughs> and it's like, kind of just like, it's just not, it doesn't suit me as a person because I love to collaborate with people, but the lack of ownership and the small fish, big, you know what I mean? That's just kind of like, you get to a point where it's like, it, are you okay making deeper impact with fewer people? And my answer to that is yes. I'd rather make deeper impact, more meaningful impact with fewer people. If that means that I get to help like really actually move that thing forward. And I've had positive experiences a lot of the places I've worked, to be honest. And I think the people who are able to sustain and be in those environments are patient and they're down for the collaborative you know, and, and the rough cycle of highs and lows and bureaucracy and internal politics. So, you, you know, you just really have to have the patience and dedication for that. I'm a person who is very mission driven and I care about mission over companies' bottom lines, which are usually just money, right? So if my bottom line is values and their bottom line is money, then we're always going to be at a kind of like a headbutt. And so it kind of got to the point of just reconciling myself that I don't really care. I got paid enough. You know what I mean? And I'm really into money and investing. And I like share that on this earlier as podcasts, et cetera. So I got to a point where like my story couldn't be that I was at this job for money. <laughs> my story like no longer can be that. And if I care about really making impact in the world or shaping, helping artists, and uh, then my playing small doesn't serve the world and had to step out on my own. So me playing small, it's funny because yeah, working at these companies externally is a big validator, right? to work at certain companies and have associations. But my ego is already like past that point where like my ego is already retired, you know? So it didn't really do anything for me other than like people think it's cool, but I don't, <laughs> I don't like have much attachment to those brands, names, et cetera. I've already, you know, once you collect the experience of something, you know, like the internals of something and you're like a little bit of the magic is gone. And I appreciate more so who I am as a person. And I know if I carry me as a person outside of that corporation, then the possibilities are way more exciting and infinite and expansive. And the more of myself that I can package or the more of myself that I can pour into other people's visions or creative work where it can be celebrated and appreciated more so the better the world is going to be and better people are going to be. And so I truly got to a point where I'm happy to give somebody else my seat at the table because that person can support this mass, you know, this like massive moving ship and I can be a smaller rowboat and be just as happy and fulfilled and maybe make deeper impact with fewer people. And that's okay with me. And it's one of those things where it's like, a lot of my friends are like social workers and artists or teachers and they get that experience and I see through them how meaningful that their jobs are. And I care about meaning. I care about impacting people and helping people to the point where I can't make the excuses anymore as to why I'm not. And so, yeah, so I just kind of at a point just had to shift and, and release stories of oh I need money or security or anything like that and I was never particularly a person who was attached to those things anyway so me playing small doesn't help the world hallelujah so good Anissa we covered so much and you've been so generous with sharing your story and your values and what you're creating and before we wrap up is there anything I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share I mean I've loved our conversation I think it what it what's beautiful is like the connectedness and I obviously you know this from your podcast but its existence is just so special because there is a huge divide um, in the spiritual world with marketing business world and you're at this really beautiful intersection I guess what I want to share is just like a gratitude towards you because I think I've been needing to see more of this and I'm so glad that you found me and that yeah, you came with this like huge ecosystem of having done this, having found other people who are doing this because amplifying consciousness, amplifying contentness, <laughs> like kind of amplifying like the alternative of ways of being is so needed for the world to see that because the drivers behind media and entertainment will continue to pursue and push stories of things that support capitalism, right? 
really at a core and at a first. And so it's kind of nice to, to see something that's not that. There is another yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. And, and you are an embodiment of that as well. And that's why we connected. And thank you for doing what you do. And thanks for everyone listening for sticking with us through this exploration as we find the words to something that exists so clearly in the energy field. And we're still learning how to <laughs> de define it, this intersection of business and spirituality. But yeah, that's exactly why I created the podcast. I'm so grateful to have connected with you, Anissa, and so excited to see where your journey takes you and stay in touch. Thank you, Ksenia. Thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, let's definitely please, please stay in touch through this all. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>